Yes, we're open. Living Faith with Needham UCC, a sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. This sermon for Palm Sunday, March 28th, 2021, is entitled Hosanna, Justice, Peace, Salvation, and the Kingdom of God. This is part six in our eight-part Grounded Worship series for Lent, examining core concepts that shape what and how we believe. It's a reflection on a reading from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to learn more about our open and affirming ministries at the Congregational Church of Needham, or would like to join us for worship some Sunday live via Zoom, simply head over to our website, www.needhamucc.org. Today I'm going to begin with the sermon and get to the scripture. I didn't want you to be confused as I launched off. So as I enter into this reflection, as we begin to reflect together, will you pray with me, please? O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts here together always be acceptable in your sight, always reflect your truth and your grace. And all your holy names we pray. Amen. So today in the church calendar, we come once again to Palm Sunday. This last Sunday in the season of Lent, this gateway to Holy Week, those highest and holiest days when we remember Jesus's last days leading to his final meal with his disciples on Monday, Thursday, his crucifixion on Good Friday, and his Easter resurrection. Today, we remember once more how Jesus entered Jerusalem, the home of the temple, the center of the religious and political life of the Jewish people in ancient Judea. But Jesus didn't just walk in on his own two feet like any other member of the matting crowd gathering in the city to celebrate the Jewish feast of Passover. No, Jesus makes an entrance, and an entrance that makes a statement. In a calculated bit of performance art come political theater, Jesus creates a stir by entering the city riding on a donkey. In seemingly self-aware fulfillment of a prophecy from Scripture, from the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem! Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey." And in open imitation of Solomon, son of famed King David and himself, king over a combined kingdom of Israel and Judah at its most powerful, peaceful, and prosperous. All of this at exactly the same moment that Pontius Pilate, the governor imposed at sword point by imperial Rome, 
makes an entirely different, grander and more glorious, gilded even, entrance on the other side of the city, accompanied by troops, armed and ready to keep the peace, that is, to keep the occupied populace in their place under the heels of Rome, lest discontent rise and tempers flare during the celebration of Passover, which, after all, is a feast of liberation, recounting, as it does, God's liberating acts of how God freed the Hebrew people from oppression under a foreign power with terrible signs and wonders, ten of them, and the splitting of the sea in two in order to bring them into their own land, a land of milk and honey the city of Jerusalem, messy on its best day, is now a powder keg of hopes and dreams, anger and resentment, remembrance and imagination, fear and confusion. The people are primed for something. And Jesus sure is something, isn't he? Small wonder then that Jesus, the teacher, the prophet, the healer and troublemaker and his little countercultural pony show is met with such enthusiasm by the rabble on the road. The atmosphere is charged and Jesus is a lightning rod. A crowd quickly gathers to line the road from the Mount of Olives into the city proper. They strip the trees and even strip themselves bare to make banners of branches and their cloaks to welcome him in. They acclaim him king, their king, in the image and line of the great David and Solomon. Hosanna, they cry. Blessed is the real royal emissary who comes in the name of our Lord God. And blessed is the coming again of the kingdom of our ancestor, David. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, not hooray, but help us. Save us, O king. Let our cry for deliverance, Hosanna, rise even to the highest heaven to rouse the saving power of God once more on our behalf. Hosanna. For his part, in his very own first sermon in the gospel according to Mark chapter 2, Jesus has already announced the time is now. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe in the good news. And in his ministry since, he has been full of preaching and teaching his own signs and wonders meant to communicate and enact that kingdom of heaven on earth. But we already know the story. And given how this week ends, how the crowd that acclaims Jesus King on Sunday are the very same ones who cry for his crucifixion come Friday. When it comes to the expectations of the kingdom of God, it's clear your mileage may vary. 
Because apparently, Jesus didn't turn out to be the kind of king the crowds in his own day expected with dire consequences. So what do we expect? Whether this is our first Palm Sunday or our 50th, what do we expect? As we join the throngs lining the road once more from that moment long ago all the way to this present Palm Sunday and we wave our little paper palms, who are we rooting for? What are we hoping for? And just what kind of kingdom is it we claim is coming? Jesus says the news is good, and so does the church. But in these latter days, we've learned we can't take news for granted or the church. We've got to consider the source. We've got to interrogate the gospel as it is handed to us and ask, good how? Good for whom? And what does that kingdom look like exactly on the ground? What does it feel like? What does it mean? What are the implications of the kingdom of God here on earth? And before we rush to an easy answer, let's remember these aren't frivolous questions. These are questions, the wrong answers to which can get a preacher killed. Just ask Jesus or fired. Just ask some of my colleagues. So let's be careful and intentional as we ask, is the kingdom of God the reign of God, R-E-I-G-N, reign of God, the purpose and plan of God? Is it personal or political? Is it a kingdom only in heaven by and by after we die? Or is it also a kingdom here on earth? Does Jesus, this, the king of this kingdom, come to bring peace or justice? Is the gospel good news of the kingdom Jesus preaches about the forgiveness of sins or reconciliation with our neighbors? Is it about the transformation of individual lives or the transformation of entire systems of society? Is it comforting? Is it challenging? Is it about building up or tearing down? Is it restorative, reforming, revolutionary? Because there are Christian churches and Christian believers that are shaped by each of these separate interpretations. All of them, all of us, wave our palm branches and hail Jesus to be not only king, but even the king of kings. But it's clear from history and our present reality, we don't always mean the same kingdom. To the degree that churches that gather under one banner, one interpretation, often claim that all the others are heretical, not really Christians, with all too predictable and all too painful results. Now, we have 
traveled this Holy Week road before. We know where it leads all too often. So which is it? Please point, O preacher, to the correct kingdom of God on the map. Personal, political, challenging, comforting, redemptive, revolutionary. All of them. All of them to a degree. All of them in relationship, intention. All of them, but only all together. The kingdom of God and its gospel good news that Jesus proclaimed then and to which the spirit of the risen Christ continues to bear witness among us today is so high and so wide and so deep, so powerful and pervasive, so transcendent and so penetrating that it literally leaves no stone unturned, no aspect of our lives untouched unchallenged, unredeemed, untransformed. Because the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the way of God, God's own self is love. Nothing more, nothing less. And love, real love, Love that is patient and kind, is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Love that does not insist on its own way, is not irritable or resentful, that does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love that bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things, according to the Apostle Paul. Love that looks like intimacy in private and justice in public, according to the prophet. Dr. Cornell West, that sort of love, that sort of love will wipe away every tear from every grieving heart. That sort of love will speak truth to power, even deadly power, especially deadly power. That sort of love will leave the 99 safe at home to seek out the prodigal one. That sort of love will lift up the lowly and the poor and bring down the powerful. That sort of love will bind up the brokenhearted and tear down the temples of every false idol and image of God that holds sway among us in our hearts and in our communities. That sort of love is sharper than a two-edged sword. That sort of love will get to the heart of the matter, of every matter, every time. That sort of love will change the world forever and for good. That sort of love will heal the sick and the sickness at the heart of our humanity. It will even raise the dead. This is the love and the way, and the reign, and the kingdom of God that Jesus proclaims among us. This is the simple and complex relationship that lies at the heart of the gospel. This is the word of the kingdom of God that satisfies none of us individually, but only all of us all together to the degree 
that we work it out among us. If you're looking for a description of the kingdom of God, the prophet Isaiah gave us that mission statement, that architectural set of plans for the kingdom of God long ago. It would have been so familiar to Jesus. These words from Isaiah chapter 65, the Lord speaks. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or even come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth and the one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. In my kingdom, says the Lord. So what about it? Is this kingdom of God that Jesus preaches, this kingdom of God to which we claim to pledge our allegiance, is it personal or political? Is it interior or exterior? Is it spiritual or practical? Just as Jesus said when some of John's disciples came and asked him about the kingdom that he was preaching, whether he was, in fact, the king to come, Jesus said, look around. Ask the people. Is it personal or political? Ask those black and brown communities around our nation who have lost loved ones, so many individuals, entire families, to the malpractice we have practiced around this COVID pandemic. Ask the black and brown communities upon whom our broken immigration system falls so harshly and so heavily that it even divides parents from children. Ask the transgender children and youth who are the object of such derision and even hate that legislators around the country are finding ways to exclude them even further than they already are. Ask the brokenhearted. Ask the downtrodden. 
is the gospel of Jesus Christ personal or political? Is it a kingdom of heaven or a kingdom here on earth? Yes. Yes, it is. This is the countercultural topsy turvy kingdom that Jesus calls us into, calls us to set aside every halfway allegiance that holds us back, calls us to put down our palms and to take up the walk, to walk the walk into the heart of Jerusalem, into the heart of our own day, into the heart of our own hearts, and find the utterly transforming power of God at work there already. Because this is Holy Week. Every week is Holy Week. Jesus is walking with us from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday to Thursday to Friday to Saturday to Sunday again and again over and over. Preaching the same simple message. The time is now. The kingdom of God is available here and now. Repent Turn, change your mind, change your life, and trust this to be true. Love is at the heart of it all. And so, friends, if you've heard the word of God preached here today, remember to give all honor and glory to our one God, Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Amen.